Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sussex Local Podcast Series. I'm your host, Georgia Brown. This is the podcast where we keep you up to speed with the latest news, local charities and community stories from every corner of Sussex. For many of our listeners, you are likely to be familiar with our publication, Sussex Local Magazine, which is delivered through the doors of 45,000 homes across Arundel, Barnham, Chichester, Pulborough, Midhurst, Petworth and Storrington. But of course, as life as we know it is having to adapt to this ever-changing situation with the coronavirus, and we are all spending a lot more time at home, it is sometimes difficult to feel in touch with the world. So we have decided to collate regular highlights of local news, charity events, Sussex history, competitions, DIY and gardening tips and more to bring the very best of Sussex directly to you. In addition to community snippets of Sussex life, this week's episode features an exciting competition. A review of a fascinating article on Arundel history written by local historian Mark Phillips and we welcome back osteopath Nick Coish who shares his tips on how to get a restful sleep during lockdown. So to kick off the episode here's some snippets of Sussex life that has been happening this May. Thanks to a project funded by the John Speed and Lewis Foundation, volunteers for butterfly conservation have discovered several new populations of a rare moth, the striped lynchus. Join thousands of people taking part in Sussex Wildlife Trust's annual nature challenge, 30 Days Wild. Do it for your health, happiness, wildlife and the planet. Sign up has now opened to receive your free downloadable pack of goodies to help you plan wild activities throughout the month of June. You can download it at www.sussexwildlifetrust.org. A new habitat for water voles, educational equipment for a children's learning centre and a new wildlife corridor are among the beneficiaries of a grants boost from the South Downs National Park Trust. Seven projects across the National Park will receive grants from the charity. Household waste and recycling sites in Sussex have reopened to the public. Sites are expected to be extremely busy, so please only come to them if you have waste that is absolutely necessary to dispose of at this time. The South Downs National Park Authority has created an interactive map which has been providing a helping hand during the COVID-19 crisis by signposting people to food, drink and other support services close to where they live, providing a lifeline for the vulnerable community during the lockdown. We'll have more Sussex snippets later in the podcast. If you're an avid reader and have been spending your time in lockdown getting stuck into a good book, then you'll love this week's competition. Our editor, Chris Thomas, has the details. This episode of the podcast, you can win a book, Day Walks on the South Downs. The book is written by local author, photographer and hill walker, Deirdre Huston. It features 20 circular routes between 6 and 14 miles in length, suitable for walkers of all abilities. The routes are split into three geographical areas, Hampshire, West Sussex and East Sussex, and it includes walks to some of the most historic and beautiful areas of the South Downs National Park. Each route is described with easy to follow directions and details of distance and navigation information. If you'd like to enter the competition, go to our website at www.sussexlocal.org.
sussexlocal.net and navigate to the competition section. You'll need to answer a simple question. The question is, what is the shortest distance of any of the routes in the book? If you didn't hear me say the answer earlier, rewind and you'll hear it earlier in this section. The closing date for the competition is the 30th of June. The winner will be drawn after this date and if you're the lucky winner, we'll post a copy of the book to you. Good luck. A lovely opportunity to win a book there and now onto some more Sussex snippets. A brownfield site will be transformed into a landscape-led housing scheme, providing new affordable homes, a cafe, shop and a community hub. The Planning Committee of the South Downs National Park Authority voted unanimously to approve plans submitted by Coma Homes Group for the former Sygenta site, south of Fernhurst Village in West Sussex. Sussex Police have introduced new initiatives to encourage the reporting of domestic abuse and support victims who may feel unable to access help due to lockdown restrictions. A new specialist unit will now be able to deal with medium-risk cases through new video conferencing technology. Visitors are being urged not to travel to Camber Sands or other Rother beaches for days out following a change in government guidance. As well as high numbers of people flocking to the coast, making social distancing impossible, there will be no lifeguard service at Bexhill Beach all summer or at Camber Sands until later in the season. Hastings Borough Council have begun reviewing all planned major projects in light of COVID-19. One of the early outcomes of these reviews, and following the response from Natural England, is that the council will not pursue the installation of solar arrays in the country park. Last episode, local historian Mark Phillips guided us through the history of Arundel and the hidden Victorian secrets of the West Sussex market town. This episode, we look at his article, An Arundel Tomb. Now, Mark very kindly sent us this recording, which he had made a couple of years ago, but he can't remember who the narrator was. If you recognise the following voice, perhaps you could get in touch and we'll give the appropriate credit. I recently read an article written by Mark Phillips, a local historian from Arundel, which certainly had my imagination in overdrive. Even after reading the article, I couldn't stop thinking about the people involved and their story. I suppose that's what happens with a well-written piece. So I thought I would read the same article to you and see if it makes you curious enough to delve into the past. It is entitled An Arundel Tomb as I said by Mark Phillips. Side by side, their faces blurred, the Earl and Countess lie in stone. The opening lines of An Arundel Tomb, written by the poet, the late Philip Larkin. One of my favourite poems, it refers to a pair of memorial effigies of Richard Fitzalan, 10th Earl of Arundel, who died in 1376, and his second wife, Eleanor of Lancaster, who died in 1372. Richard Fitzalan was ancestor of John Fitzalan, who married Isabel d'Albany and went on to inherit Arundel Castle in 1243, thus becoming the first Earl of Arundel of the Fitzalan line. In a twist to the heading of this article, the tomb is not actually in Arundel, 
but located in the north aisle of Chichester Cathedral. Larkin wrote the poem, published in 1964, following a visit there in about 1956. The tomb chest was transferred to the cathedral from Lewis Priory after its dissolution in 1537. As the body remained at the Priory, this would make it a memorial rather than a tomb, but I would argue that an Arundel memorial is a far less memorable and connecting title for the reader. The English decorative design on the tomb was very much of its time for a person of high status. This one has a lion at Richard's feet, while Eleanor has a dog at hers. The lion generally indicated valour and nobility for men, while a dog indicated loyalty for women. The most unusual and moving part of the design is that Richard has his right hand ungloved and Eleanor's right hand rests lightly upon his. Larkin was decidedly unimpressed until he noticed this feature that prompted him to look closer. It is very unusual to show such informality in a memorial design from this period. In the early 1800s, the figures were in a very poor condition and in need of restoration, which was carried out by the sculptor Edward Richardson. It was once believed that the joining of the hands was carried out at the same time. However, recent research would indicate this part of the sculpture is likely to be original. Larkin is on record saying that the effigies were unlike any he had ever seen before and that he found them extremely affecting. The poem touches on several different themes and especially the enduring nature of love, the passage of time and our attempts to outlast it. Whether or not Larkin agrees with the idea that love can survive after we are dead, he at least acknowledges that this is what today's visitors may feel when they view the effigy. The last of the seven verses of this immensely moving poem is the most memorable and contains the oft-quoted final line. Time has transfigured them into untruth. The stone fidelity they hardly meant has come to be their final blazon and to prove our almost instinct almost true. What will survive of us is love. All seven verses of An Arundel Tomb, read by Philip Larkin, can be found online, read as it was intended to be read. Larkin has left us with this two-minute, 55-second piece of pure magic. Now I'd like to read you the actual poem by Philip Larkin, An Arundel Tomb. Side by side, their faces blurred, the Earl and Countess lie in stone, their proper habits vaguely shown as jointed armour, stiffened pleat, and that faint hint of the absurd, the little dogs under their feet. Such plainness of the pre-Baroque hardly involves the eye until it meets his left-hand gauntlet, still clasped empty in the other, and one sees, with a sharp tender shock, his hand withdrawn, holding her hand. 
They would not think to lie so long, such faithful in faithfulness in effigy, was just a detail friends would see. A sculptor's sweet commissioned grace thrown off in helping to prolong the Latin names around the base. They would not guess how early in their supine stationary voyage the air would change to soundless damage. Turn the old tenantry away. How soon succeeding eyes begin to look, not read. Rigidly they persisted, linked through lengths and breaths of time. Snow fell, undated. Light each summer thronged the glass. A bright litter of bird calls strewed the same bone-riddled ground. And up the paths the endless altered people came, washing at their identity now helpless in the hollow of an unarmorial age, a trough of smoke in slow suspended skeins above their scrap of history, only an attitude remains. Time has transfigured them into untruth. The stone fidelity they hardly meant has come to be their final blazon, and to prove our almost instinct, almost true, what will survive of us is love. Despite everyone spending more time indoors, there have been some remarkable efforts from local communities to find ways to keep the people of Sussex connected within their communities, even if they are not physically able to be together. A young boy with Lowe's syndrome walked up and down his garden 11 times to raise £650 for Chestnut Tree House, the children's hospice that supports him and his family. To support Jack's fundraising, you can find more information on our website or visit justgiving.com forward slash Emma's Wood. Gig Buddies is a Sussex-based charity project that supports people with learning disabilities to see live music through their volunteering befriending service. They are now running a virtual online music festival to keep their beneficiaries, supporters and general public connected through music with the Coronavirus Fest. You can join in at gigbuddies.org.uk. So Sussex is a local organisation run by volunteers set up to support the NHS during their shortage of scrubs, the medical uniform all health professionals wear. Volunteers are using resources such as cotton sheets and duvet covers, as the polycotton fabric normally used for scrubs is almost impossible to get hold of during this time. If you are able to sew and would like to support the NHS with Sussex Sew during this difficult time, they are always looking for more volunteers. You can find them by searching So Sussex, that's S-E-W Sussex, online. Now, if you have been experiencing unusual dreams, or if you feel like your natural sleeping pattern has been out of whack since the start of the pandemic, you are not alone. Change in routine and the stress of living under lockdown is causing many people to struggle with their sleep. Storrington-based osteopath Nick Koish offers us his tips on how to be more mindful with your body clock and how to get a restful sleep in lockdown. I'll be covering 12 tips for a healthy night's sleep, taken from Matthew Walker's excellent book called Why We Sleep. So jumping straight into it, and first of all, tip number one, stick to a sleep schedule. Your body loves rhythms and routines, so the sooner it gets used to doing something in a certain way, the easier it becomes. Two. 
Exercise is great, but not too late in the day. Try to exercise 30 minutes on most days, but no later than two or three hours before bedtime. Adrenaline, high body temperature and sleep don't go well together. Three, avoid caffeine and nicotine. This can be a good general health tip, uh, but for a best night's sleep, definitely not after mid-afternoon at least, as these are stimulants and will stay in your system. Four, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed. A difficult one to adjust to, I know, for most, but alcohol messes with your sleep, and if you want a better night's sleep, it's just the sacrifice you're gonna to need to be willing to make. Five, avoid large meals and beverages late at night. It won't digest properly, first of all, and secondly, your body will be in wind-down mode and then suddenly have a huge demand put on it to the detriment of your sleep. Six, if possible, avoid medications that delay or disrupt your sleep. Seven, don't take naps after 3 p.m. because you won't be sufficiently tired come bedtime. Eight, relax before bed. Don't overschedule your day so that there's no time left for unwinding. Relaxing activities such as reading or listening to music should be part of your bedtime ritual. Nine, take a hot bath before bed. Ten, have a dark, cool, gadget-free room. Eleven, have the right sunlight exposure. Daylight is key to regulating sleep patterns. Try to get outside in natural sunlight for at least 30 minutes a day if you can. And if possible, wake up with the sun or use very bright lights in the morning first thing. 12. Don't lie in bed awake. Instead, go and do something quiet or relaxing until the sleep urge returns. If you'd like to hear more from Nick, he can be found on YouTube with NCTV or visit nicholaskoish-osteopath.co.uk for more details. I think it's clear that lots of people in Sussex are thinking of creative and innovative ways to stay connected during these unusual times. It's wonderful to see so many people finding virtual ways to support vital charities who cannot continue fundraising in their traditional way. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sussex Local Podcast and would like your community or charity event featured in our next episode, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at info at sussexlocal.net or get in touch via our website. Charity and community notices are always published free of charge in our magazine and on our website, where you can find lots of other Sussex news and sign up to our newsletter. This podcast has been produced for Sussex Local by Jeff Nutbean, original music for Sussex Local by Jimmy Sims, and presented by myself, Georgia Brown. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Mm-hmm.